First Chronicles chapter 11. And we'll just read a few verses. Verse 15 reading onwards. First Chronicles 11 verse 15. Now three of the thirty captains went down to the rock to David into the cave of Adullam. And the host of the Philistines encamped in the valley of Raphael. And David was then in the hold. And the Philistines' garrison was then at Bethlehem. And David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem that is at the gate. And the three break through the hosts of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. But David would not drink of it, but poured it out to the Lord and said, My God, forbid it me that I should do this thing. Shall I drink the blood of these men that have put their lives in jeopardy? For with the jeopardy of the lives they brought it, of their lives they brought it. Therefore, he would not drink it. These things did these three mightiest. We know the Lord will bless that reading of his own word, but we're going to just bow in prayer. Father, we ask you now just to shut us in with yourself. And Lord, our hearts are different this morning. We've left different homes maybe or different things in life and the circumstances. And so this morning we pray that your word would have that free course again to strengthen us. For Lord, it's in thy word that we hope. And it's your word that, Lord, suckers us and lifts us up. So Lord, we ask you to bless your people. Glorify your name. And Father, we pray you touch my weak lips. That I may speak well of thee. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. So I don't know about you, but whenever you get uh, maybe a tough time, maybe you're getting a hard time, maybe you're getting it at work or at home or spiritually, mentally, just everything, physically, it's really the word that, that really we carry with us, to take with us, that strengthens us every day. And just this last little while, you know, I've had a bit of a tough time. I don't say I just get on with it. But nevertheless, I will seek God for it. And suddenly the waters of the well of Bethlehem dropped into my spirit. And I read this scripture over. Nothing. (laughs) Nothing came. So I went to read and I could see nothing in the scripture again. Waters of the well of Bethlehem. And I read it and nothing came. And then one day I just sat down and I wrote 1 Chronicles chapter 11 verses 15 to 19. The top of my page. And then I wrote, the Philistines had taken Bethlehem. And it just poured out. It just poured out. 
In verse 15, the Philistines encamped in the valley of Raphael. And in verse 16, the Philistines' garrison was at Bethlehem. Raphael was the, the tribe of the giants. And the Philistines had encroached into their territory or into where they were. And they had overtaken the whole valley area. And they had grown in strength and in number. And they're now in the valley, seated as it were, in the seat of the giants. In the seat of the giants. And now they had made their base, their home, their garrison, their stronghold in the town of Bethlehem. David is God's anointed, God's servant. And where is David in it all? He's in a cave. He's actually in the hold of the cave. The deepest part of the cave. The cave in verse 15 is called Adullam. And Adullam means justice of the people. Justice of the people. The name actually comes from a a root word, Adle, which means justice of Jehovah. And there's a man in 1 Chronicles chapter 27 and verse 29 who's called Adle. And Adle, his name means the justice of Jehovah, or he is in that scripture, the man who is set out to look after the sheep and the flock. Isn't that strange? David, the shepherd boy, now a king, is set out still to look after the flock. He's in Adullam. You know, it tells us that no matter whatever way we look at things in the world, brothers and sisters, and whatever's going on, the justice of God is still always true. The justice of God is still right in all of his ways. And this morning as we look at this, we can find that we're in Anadolum, a cave, a place where the enemy seems to be everywhere. Attacked on all sides. And even those who you thought you could trust, you can't trust. And those who you had hopes and plans for have now turned and ran away and left you or whatever else they've done. And maybe you're in a cave where something similar to this effect has happened to you. Could be trouble in your life, your home, your family. Spiritually, mentally, physically, and you're attracted to a dullum. And here's the wonderful thing about it, that the more uh, I ask the Lord about this cave, whenever we look at the, the cases and the places of world, you know what gets me down the most? And I was talking to someone, I think it was either during the week or last week, I can't remember. I was talking to another pastor about it. I'm so grieved, I'm discouraged. I'm grieved, I'm discouraged, being honest with you. Now, I don't want people saying, oh, we need to encourage. It's not about that. I'm discouraged if I allow it to discourage me. Now, stay with me. The church no longer seems to be grieved enough 
with what's going on in the world and in the church. I'm talking about having hardness and bitterness and legalism and all that sort of stuff. I'm talking about a grieving of the Holy Ghost. I'm grieved, discouraged, and then I get cross and angry. Am I angry at things I'm seeing? Am I angry at the things that's happening? And when we look at cases and places of our world and society, like David from Adullam over the valley of Raphaim, it seems like every godless, wicked, vile person is in the valley all around us. They're sitting in the seats of the giants. They're sitting in the seats of the giants. And now the church is hiding in the cave, cowering and afraid. The Philistines are spread across the valley of society. They're in the media, social media, television, radio, presenters, film, the press. Everywhere I look, it's like the Philistines are everywhere and they are seated in the seat of the giants, as it were. They've even taken over that which was wicked before God and now promoting it, establishing it. They're garrisoned in it. The church are hiding from it. I'm grieved. I'm discouraged. And I'm even angry. I believe it's righteous anger. But I'm angry. Notice the the valley was not just the only thing that had been overtaken. But Bethlehem, David's hometown, had become a garrison for wickedness. Bethlehem comes from the word bet. Bet is the second letter in the Hebrew alphabet. For example, you have Aleph, Bet. That's the first two letters. By the way, Aleph means uh, strength. Bet means house. Aleph and Bet is where you get the word alphabet. (laughs) And strength and house is the strength of the father's house. Father, strength, house. And so when Bethlehem, Bet means house, lamp, uh, uh, the, the second part of, of it is uh, Lechem, which means food, bread. The house of bread or the house where you get food was Bethlehem or Bethlehem. Now it's overtaken by wickedness. It's overtaken by the Philistines, godlessness. And the house where David once was fed, where David grew up, is now in many ways not only taken by the Philistines, but the people who were looking for Bethlehem to be what it once was, that house of bread and food unto God. They've now had to go other places to look for bread. 
And they find themselves going further out until they actually enter into the cave. Brothers and sisters, the place where you're meant to get your food is here. This should be your Bethlehem. And unfortunately, in many of the places of the churches, they won't preach the word anymore. Philistines have come in to water it down. As it were, the Philistines have come in and made many places their garrison where if it isn't just about a candy floss, wishy-washy entertainment, to try and replace the Holy Spirit. Or it's a fear of man that brings the snare and they won't preach the word of God. What happens? The people start to hunger and thirst. And David realizes this. David realizes this. Uh, to, to gather on to David, they says, well, David will know what to do. We've heard he's in Adullam. Now, notice this. Adullam isn't the first time David was in this cave. Um, and when you go home, read 1 Samuel chapter 22, and the first couple of verses will tell you that David runs from Saul. And he's in the cave of Adullam. And there is a, it's a real learning curve for David there. But now David's back in again. Why? Because David's the king in Israel. Saul has died. He's made king. And now David's moving up to Luke. And lo and behold, that which once was a place of God's land with God's people has now become what? A land of heathen and filled with sin. David's now in Adullam. The people start coming out to him. Start coming out. They start coming out because there was an anointing in David. There was the promise of God on David. And they went out there to see what David would do. Notice, they gathered unto this man, David, who was an example to men. One thing is for sure, he's God's man. He's anointed for that time. And he may be in a cave, but it's not just any cave, it's a dullum. It's the place where there's justice for the people of God. Now, when you and I are in Christ, we are the justice of God justified in Christ. And we're hidden in the cleft of the rock, as Fanny Crosby wrote. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock where rivers of pleasure I see. And David is in this cave of Adullam and he has went back there. And sometimes we need to retrace our steps to where we learned and what we learned. Because it's easy to drift off into the liberalized community think everything's okay. Notice this. How often do we mistake the cave experience for a grave experience? How often do we mistake a cave experience for a grave experience? 
Every time you find yourself, as it were, in that cave where you're getting things hard, difficult, tight. In your own life. And it's that sort of cave experience. Realize that in the cave, it's not your grave. God hasn't got you there to bury you there. God has you there to refine you there. To hone you there. God has you to make you there. To change you there. I was praying on the way up in the car. Just talking to the Lord as I do every Sunday morning, come to church. Just praying about one or two things, and I says, Lord, don't let my heart, don't allow my heart to ever get better. Please don't let my heart get better. I was praying about someone and I, this is what I said, Lord, either change them or remove them from my life. That's why I prayed. I've never prayed that before, by the way. It's like a thorn in my side. Either change them or remove them. And then I thought, Lord, or change me. Or change me where I need to be changed. Notice it's easy in the cave to think, well, this could be a bitter experience. No, brothers and sisters, if you're in the cave, you have to remember if you're in your adullam, it's still justice of the people of God. And strange as oddly were the where the, the root word for Adullam comes from, this man, justice of God. This man was a shepherd overlooking the sheep. David was a shepherd overlooking the sheep before he's made a king. And notice, here's the thing. Whether it's like, like whether you're a shepherd overlooking young people or a shepherd looking, overlooking older people or, or, or maybe you're shepherding a, a woman's meeting or whether you're shepherding a church, whatever it is. In your life, you have a responsibility, Christian, and I have a responsibility. And it's, it's our lives that, that, that speaks. And David here is in Adullam. And sometimes in our Adullam, it's so easy to think I'm buried. I'm never getting out of this, Lord. I'm never going to get out of my mind the way it is. It's been troubled or my heart. I'm never going to get out of this situation or circumstance. And a dullum, a dullum, a dullum. It's a cave, it's a cave, it's a cave. And it may be, but it's not your grave. Because in that cave, God was teaching David, honing David, refining David, showing David everything that David would ever need for the task that lies ahead. That's where you are. That's where you are. David wasn't buried. You ready? I'm just sitting writing this as it comes to me in my study. This is, this is me preaching. This is Ken preaching to Ken and Ken writing it for you. David wasn't buried. David was being blessed. I thank the Lord for the times that he's took me into the woodshed. 
and took out the, the strap and gave me a good lavern. I'm, I thank the Lord for it. It's not nice, not easy, but it's a blessing. You know why? Because he loves you. He doesn't want you wandering off and he doesn't want you going astray and he doesn't want you to be in the world and he doesn't want you to be uh, uh, one that shoots off on his own self or her own self and finds themselves in trouble. He takes us into the woodshed and he says, son, daughter, come here. I must teach you right. Chastening of the Lord. And sometimes when we find ourselves in an adullam, we think we're in a grave. We're not. We think that we're being buried. We're not. We're being blessed. We're being blessed. God was making, shaping, and preparing David. Listen to Winston Churchill. A pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity. An optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. And the the pessimist is, I can't. It's too big. It's too great. It's too difficult. The optimist says, Lord, with you, not in our own strength, with you, I could turn this situation, you could turn this situation through me into a great blessing. So whatever you're in today, you're not being buried, you're not in the grave, you're being blessed. You may be in a cave, but you're being blessed. Pessimist has handed a brick and looks at it and says, now, what on earth would you ever want with that? What could you do with it? The pessimist, the optimist takes it and says, if I had a whole lot more of those, I could build something. I had a whole lot more, Lord, of this, that, and the other. Lord, oh, yeah, there'd be a pessimistic view of, you know what, hmm, I don't know if we could handle that. Listen, if you give us a whole lot more, Lord, we'll go and build for you, to your kingdom. So what is God doing in your life right now? What is God doing when you're in your cave right now? What's God doing when you can? You can say it about you. Romans 8 and 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Notice to his purpose. Are you called? Are you saved? Then you were called by him. If you're saved and you're called by the Spirit unto salvation, you're his. To them that love God, to them that are the called according to his purpose. Notice his purpose overrides everything that was said before that. Everett's purpose, right at the end of it, it's not just an add-on. It's all about me, myself, and I in my cave. No, it isn't. It's about his purpose. At the end of the cave is his purpose. The end of your cave is his purpose. And so what we'll see, God willing, in a few minutes going into this is David had to look for his purpose. What are you doing with me, Lord, now? I've been in this cave. I know it. I've learned in it. I've gone back to it. What are you doing now, Lord? 
Ephesians 1 and 1 says of in whom in Christ that is also we have obtained an inheritance. We have obtained. We have. We have. You have. Christian, do you hear that? You have. I heard a pastor one time saying, well, not know do we get there. Well, I'll tell you something. I know now. Word of God tells me. We have obtained an inheritance. Being predestined. Hear that? Listen, I'll say it again. Don't want to frighten anybody. Being predestined. Did you hear that? Who heard that? Just in case online didn't hear it. Being predestined. You're predestined. Predestinated in God. Before the foundation of the world. Imagine he knew me. Even knew my cave. Knew all about you and your cave. He knew where you would be. The condition you were in. He knew the sadness and the hurt and the mourning heart. He knows it all. From before the foundation of the world. And he says I have a plan for you son. Daughter. I have a purpose for you. Sometimes we try and walk out of that purpose. And we end up in a cave. And being predestinated according to the purpose of him. According is the word. Let's see the word according there. See when you see that in nearly all cases, it's the word kata. And it means to press down. To have a dominance over. Let me read it like this. And you being predestinated with the dominance and the pressing downing and measure. That's what it means. To the purpose of him who worketh all things. Son, you can run. See, when you're in your sin, he still knew you and he loved you. And you may not know, knew that you were going to be saved and I didn't know I was going to be saved and we were dead in our sins and trespasses wanted nothing to do with him but he was just waiting till that time peace which he upholds by the word of his power known as this universe with our earth going around the sun and the moon going around the earth until that watch as it were of time comes around and he says now I can't do it it's time to come son. It's time to come. I found Jesus not near Nelly. <laughs> Could hardly find the bus stops most times whenever I was looking for it. <laughs> and he his purpose, his kata, his dominance was over me, and I didn't know it. Think of the dangers that he has kept from you and you from. You know nothing about and you say, Lord, this is only what we know, but I must think of what else was there that I don't even remember or even know about? According to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of what? His own will. Imagine God having a will. You'd think to hear some people that God doesn't have a will and he's not allowed one. Sovereign Lord, sovereign God, and he's no will. Listen, it's all to do with his will. It's his purpose and it's his will for our lives. Now it's for us to yield that in the cave. 
Let me say it again. It's his will and his purpose for our lives. And that's up to us in the hard time, in the bad time, in the sad time, as well as the good times. It's up to us to yield our will unto his. For our will to be swallowed up by his will. That's what it means, to swallow up our own will by his. Listen to what Paul says again in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. God has started a work in you. No, 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 no. It's a good work. Sometimes it doesn't feel good. Aye. But that's what he's doing. He's producing a good work. He's taking away the dross. He's taking away the impurities of us. It's a good work. And he begun it, and he will perform it or perfect it when? Right to the day of the coming. When will the final perfection be? When Jesus returns and these bodies, these vile bodies, shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Full perfection in Christ. Isn't that something to look forward to? The word confident, just before, boy, the time's flying. I might have to do another morning of this. I haven't even touched the water yet. I'll be down for a drink by the time, off by the time I, I'm finished here. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John. That's a little letter of John now. 1 John chapter 3. And let your eye run down. To verse 19. 1 John 3, 19. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. Notice, hereby we know we are of the truth. That is of Christ and of the truth of his word and shall assure our hearts before him. Now I see when Paul writes in Philippians 1 and 6, I'm being confident of this very thing. It's the same word here for assure. It's pytho. Pytho. Do you know what it means? It means not only to assure, it means to persuade. It means to tranquilize. <laughs> tranquilize. He writes, and hereby we know that we're off the truth. If we have the truth that we're Christ's, we belong to Christ, even in the cave, even in our adullam, even in the place, mental, physical, spiritual, whatever it is, there comes a time when our hearts are racing and our, the sweat in our brow is coming and our, our souls are dying, as it were, in our, in our, in our shell and, and our spirit can't rejoice and our hands are hanging down and our feeble knees are buckling. He says, if we are off the truth, we have a confidence before God. It is an assurance. It's a tranquilizing of the heart. Why? Because it's not about you and it's not about me and it's not what we can do nor how we can accomplish and it's in the middle of our cave in the very dire weakness that we are we say, Father, I'm still your child. And the truth assures, the truth tranquilizes the heart. Brother, sister, see whenever you go home, why don't you go in the door? I have to go to the funeral, I want to go home so I'll do it later. 
why don't you go into your room? You say, Lord, this is how I am. Just be honest with God. God knows how you are. He wants you to be honest. He's your counselor. This is how I am. But I know I'm yours. Not because of who I am or what I've done or what I know that if it was up to me, I'd be away. I'd run, I'd hide. I'd be lost. But it's because of you, Jesus. Watch your heart tranquilize in his presence. The word pytho means to soothe the alarm of the heart. To soothe the alarm of the heart. Brothers and sisters, listen to what it says in the next verse of this, 1 John 3. You ready? For if our heart condemn us. This is important. Every one of us feel God. Every single one of us. From here, we all feel him. And that condemnation comes. And you know what? Sometimes a conviction is not a condemnation. It's to put something right. But condemnation is that which brings you to a place where you're no longer of worth in his sight in your eyes. That's a lie. That's a lie. Your heart may condemn you. Lord, I've failed you again. How can I come and pray? And you? How can I bother praying? Anybody ever been like that? Hearts condemn us. Notice. Notice. If our heart condemn us. Read it. Read it out. It's on the screen if you want to read it. Right? For if our hearts condemn us. You read it with us. What's the next bit? I know of all things. If your heart's condemning you, who's greater than your heart? His heart's bigger than your heart. His love's greater than your heart. His love's greater than all your failures. Now, before I get somebody coming online here for their watch and maybe and saying, oh, he thinks you can live how you like and this is, uh, we call it greasy grace and all this. Was, no, it is not. You know I don't believe for that. I won't bet. But I know he loves us. And he's bigger than me. Am I really your child, God? <laughs> Just, darling, I love you. What even a failure? I love you. Son, I love you. Tranquilizes the heart. Notice. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. See the word confidence? I didn't mean to go down this line, so I'm going to have to do part two. See the word confidence? It's the word parasio. Do you know what it means really in our language today? Confidence. We all know what confidence is. It's not cockiness and it's not arrogance. Because some people might mistake that. Well, I can just hear, Lord, and I will order you, God, to do this. And I will order you, God, to do that. Away with that. He's still sovereign, Lord. This is what it means. If our hearts don't condemn us, you're going to be able to go in and say, Father, and pray 
without hindrance. Here's the thing. It means freedom of speech. That's what it means, freedom of speech. If our hearts condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. Then if our hearts don't condemn us, so get rid of the condemnation. Come on there say, Lord, I'm pleading the blood. I belong to you. Feel the tranquilizing of the heart. Have the confidence toward God because your heart no longer condemns you. Because why? He's bigger than you. He's greater than you. He loves you eternally. He chose you, knew you from before the foundation of the earth. And he sent the son to pay your debt in full. To buy you with his blood. And when you were an enemy toward God, do you think he's going to love you any less now that you're his redeemed? With the blood of Christ? Here's what it is. If our hearts condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. The word here, then if hearts don't condemn us, then we come in with God. It means we have freedom of speech. I can pray. I can pray and I know with a surety that you hear. That's why it says in verse 22, and whatsoever you ask, we ask, we receive of him. (laughs) Why? Because we keep his commandments. No greasy grace. That's what people call it. I've never really slip into the kingdom. I'm going to have to close this and definitely do part two. So here's where we'll round this up before we look at David and the water. Because you... Bringing this into God willing next Sunday morning. I want you to see how the desire of David was for the waters of the well of Bethlehem. What he wants new. And the Philistines are everywhere and there's, there could be dangers and attacking it. He's just looking and he's counting the cost and he's saying, you know, this is dangerous. But the water of Bethlehem oh. And three men go risk their lives, come back, and David gets it. You can imagine them coming up, David, where's the water? You see David, the yearning for this, the longing for it. David looks at it in the middle. Thank you, guys. What? (laughs) I risked my life for that. If you didn't want it, you could have given it to me. Why did he pour it out? Well, he poured it on the Lord. Ah, but there's more to it. There's more to it. And I'll tell you about it next week. Here's where we finish. God is sovereign. Now, when we say sovereign, we don't mean he's only sovereign. There was a preacher on, I heard him during the week, and he said, oh, God is sovereign, but God couldn't do certain things because... We wouldn't let him. Be puny man. Breath in his nostrils. That's what he said. We could stop God. You know why God doesn't come in to places and, and just wipe everywhere out? Or why he just doesn't come in and full amounts of blessing? Do you know why he doesn't do that? He could do it at any moment. At any moment. Because one is love. And he's got mercy. And you're not blessing side. No way he doesn't because he wants you to want him. God could come in here now, split this, uh, and it's an aluminium pulpit, split it in two if he wanted. He could crush it like a Coke can and he could snuff my life out like that and yours. 
where he could come in and blessing and every one of us would be on our faces crying for mercy. But he comes in love. I'm here if you want me. I'm here for you. I'm in your cave. Do you want me? Jesus, I want you. I want you. Notice, God is sovereign. means he's in charge of everything. And he's working also, even in the troublesome time of your adullam. So here's what it is. Leave it to God. This is what I've written. Leave it to God and his justice. Do not seek revenge. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. Leave it to God and his justice. The cave isn't your grave. The cave is your vestibule to heaven. The cave is your vestibule to heaven. Who knows what a vestibule that means or what it is? Oh dear. Okay. Quickly. Give you an idea. So, Belfast, Shore Road, little old me, growing up, little house, six of us in it, two bedrooms, four in one bed, mum and dad in the other. And then my dad converts to roof space. Long hall, little room, little room, knocked into one, big room, and then there was the hall and there's a wee door. And then there's a wee maybe, would be two, three foot square, and there was the main front door. No garden, you could wrap our window from the curb. From the footpath. So there's a wee tiny wall. Say there, and this is our window here. People would come in, wrap that door. Here's the square, here's another door. So I used to come up and the mate would have come in. I used to close this door. Close the front door and we were in it going. And we used to plan our dastardly deeds and what we were going to get up to. See, we used to talk. That meant parents couldn't hear us. But only us two could hear the conversation. Only us two knew what the plan were. Only us two knew what we were going to do. That's the vestibule. You see, my dad used to shout all the time, shut the vestibule door. You're letting all the heat out. (laughs) And that's what that was, that door. It's just a little glass door. Closed it behind you. And that's known as the vestibule. You're not outside and you're not there inside yet. You're just in between. And that's where you had your chats with that nobody could hear. David said, Dullam was his vestibule to heaven. David went to a place where he was even in the hold of the vestibule of a Dullam, and it was him and God planning out David's life, planning out what was happening, planning out the next move. So your cave is your vestibule to heaven. Think of it like that. God speaks to you in ways he hasn't spoken before and God deals with you in ways and through places and things that he's never done before and that's your vestibule to heaven. None can hear or fully know but you and him. But you and him. Here's David's outcome from his vestibule in chapter 16. 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 8. Ready? Give thanks unto the Lord. 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 8. 
Give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing unto him. Sing psalms unto him. Talk ye of all his wondrous works. Glory ye in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek ye the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. Remember his marvelous works that he hath done, his wonders and his judgments of his mouth. O ye seed of Israel, his servants, ye children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. Judgment, his judgments are in all the earth. And you can read on. Where's David's heart? David's been in the dawn. David's been in the vestibule. David's come out and saying, God, all your marvelous works. You're talking about the Red Sea, David. Well, yeah. Are you talking about the things of Moses, David? Could be. You're talking about the things going by. You're talking about the revivals, Ken. You're talking about all the blessed meetings you've had. We can't do. But this is what I want to say. Even my Adullam. My Adullam, God blessed me. And he didn't bury me in a grave. He met me in Adullam. And there he showed me his ways. He made known himself unto me in the cave. God bless us, Bartels. In Jesus' name. Amen.